Luke chapter 1 is what we'll beginning, be beginning today. Let me uh, get there. Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> so yeah, we'll be here a while. <laughs> you guys know that Luke is the biggest, largest book in the New Testament. 1151 verses is what we have in Luke, the Gospel of Luke. So after today, we will only have 1147 more. <laughs> uh, but it is, it, is, uh, it is the largest book in the New Testament. I think, some of the, I think some of the reason is because of who Luke was. He was a careful researcher. He was an historian. So, he, so Luke desires to be very thorough, and he is. Um, he was a... Luke was a Gentile. Luke was a physician. I think probably all of us are familiar with that. Paul called him the, the beloved physician. So Paul obviously thought very fond of Luke. Uh, in, in Colossians, Paul distinguishes him from those of the circumcision, from the Jews. And so, being a, being a physician, you can even see in some of the, and, and we'll see this as we go through this gospel, you can see some of that flavor. He gives, a, he, he, he lived, he gives more of a, sometimes an emphasis on the healing ministry of Jesus at times. You can kind of see that. Um, his name only appears three times in the New Testament. doesn't appear in Luke, by the way. It appears in Colossians chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and Philemon. All from the Apostle Paul. And so, really, guys, because Luke, he's, Luke, he definitely seems to be a very humble man. He doesn't speak of himself. So really, this sermon here, these first four verses of the Gospel, is our time to discuss Luke, the man Luke. So we're going to, because after that, he really just gets into the narrative of Jesus Christ, which is his purpose. And so, Luke and Acts were written by the same person, by Luke. Uh, and so it's like a Luke and Acts is like a volume one, volume two. So the plan is, Lord willing, if the Lord tarries, we'll do Luke and then Acts. So stay tuned. Uh, but it is, it's written by the same. You can see a lot of the same flavor in it. Um, he, he, really, he really emphasizes God's saving work amongst the Gentiles being a Gentile himself. And so, um, again, it is the longest book in the New Testament with Matthew being just a little bit shorter and then Acts, his other book, being the third longest. So again, Luke is very thorough in his writings. Uh, it is unanimous among the early church that Luke is indeed the author of both Luke and Acts. And so, we can really see it more uh, as far as who the author is by, by understanding if we know who the author of, of Acts is, you know it's the same author. Because you can see it at the beginning of each book. Um, he, he references Theophilus at the beginning of Luke. We'll see that today. And then over in Acts verse 1, he references him again. And he mentions his first account, which is this gospel. So he's writing to the same individual in each case. He was a frequent companion of Paul. Uh, and, and you can see that in the book of Acts. At least from the time of Paul's Macedonian vision, which picks up in Acts chapter 16, all the way through the end of the book of Acts, at Paul's first imprisonment, you can see 
that, that Luke uses the language many times after that as we. We. He's a companion of Paul. Paul references him in many times. And like I said, three times in the epistles. Um, so he was his close friend. He was Paul's close friend. Again, he referred to him as the beloved physician. Not just the physician, but the beloved physician. Think of Luke like this, guys. Think of him. He, he, was a, he was a physician. He was probably Paul's personal physician. But he was also very evangelistic. He was a missionary. Think of him as a medical missionary. Traveling with the apostles. Probably doing many of his first-hand interviews where he came up with the Gospel of Luke and Acts in his travels with Paul. He would have, he would have been um, privy to many first-hand witnesses of a lot of these events. Uh, and, and seen many with uh, with Paul, but uh, so part two, his uh, so Acts is his, is his part two volume to Luke. So really, if you take from the beginning of Luke all the way to the end of Acts, guys, he begins with the birth of John the Baptist, and and Luke goes all the way to the very end of the book of Acts to Roman or to Paul's imprisonment in Rome. That's the span that Luke covers. It's very, very, very long, very thorough. And that's when he probably wrote Luke and Acts was when Paul was in prison. That would have been, that would have been the time of 60 to 62 A.D. When Paul was in prison, he, he states that Luke was with him. Matter of fact, he states that Luke only... And, and, and that's his second imprisonment. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But in, um, in, in, in 2 Timothy 4 verse 11... If you know the context of 2 Timothy, beloved, that's Paul's last writings. He knows that he's fixing to be executed. And you know who he said he was with him? He said, Luke alone is with me. So we, we can see a little bit about this man that he was very loyal. He was a very committed man, very loyal. As we're going to see in these verses today, he's very committed to the truth. The title of the sermon is Luke, the lover of truth. He loves the truth. He's committed to the truth, but he was also a very loyal Friend of the Apostle Paul, with him to the very end, beloved. That says something about him, about his character, about his 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 friendship, about his commitment. And so, there are many things in Luke, guys, that are that are um, unique only in Luke that aren't found in the other Gospels. And and we see a lot of that in the first two chapters. Uh, in the first two chapters, we see things like the birth of John the Baptist. Um, you know, we see things uh, uh, with 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 uh, Zechariah, uh, his his father and his mother. We see things with Mary that we don't see in the other gospels. We see we see Christ not only his birth but some of his infancy. So there are things that are unique that we're going to see that we would not have if it were not for the Gospel of Luke. Um, and you know, he probably interviewed John the Baptist, uh, his his mother. Jesus' mother. That's where he got a lot of this first-hand information. So being a Gentile, guys... And by the way, he is the only Gentile to write a book in the Scripture. He's the only Gentile to do that. And so a running theme... I've I, I mentioned this, but a running theme throughout Luke's writing is, is his compassion for the Gentiles. We're going to see that more. Not that the other writers didn't have that, but being a Gentile, we see that. We're going to see that more. Uh, the Gentiles, the Samaritans... Even his emphasis on women and children and tax collectors. Really just sinners. 
and others who were, who were marginalized by society. We see Luke. Luke had a tender heart. And so we're going to see that. You know, if not for Luke, some of my favorite parables, some of my favorite stories, we would not have. If not for the Gospel of Luke, we wouldn't have the Good Samaritan. The teaching of the Good Samaritan, the prodigal son is all in Luke. The Pharisee and the tax collector. I don't know how many times I've preached the Pharisee and the tax collector at the bus station. Because it's such a clear example of are we justified by religious acts and good works or, or, or by having faith in the mercy of God. Clearly laid out in that short parable. So these are just some of the, some of the things we see in the Gospel of Luke. Most theologians would agree that there's four sections in Luke. Uh, the first one would be starting in, in, in verse 1 in chapter 1 through the fourth chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, we see Christ coming, right? His first coming, His, His, His birth, His coming into the world to save sinners. We talk about that a lot. And His preparation for ministry. That's in those first four and a half chapters roughly. From verse uh, four or chapter 4, verse 13, all the way to chapter 9, verse 50, is really where we see the bulk of His public ministry. That's where we're going to see a lot of His public ministry. And then starting in chapter 9, verse 51, all the way through 1927, He begins His journey to Jerusalem. He begins His journey to Jerusalem. And then from 1928 to the very end of the book, we see basically His salvific work. Um, his death, His passion, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and it ends with His ascension. So Luke chapter 1 begins with the birth of John the Baptist. Basically, ends with Christ's ascension into heaven. And then Acts, He picks up right from there, basically, in His second, his second account, His second volume 2 of, of, his, um, of His narrative. And so with that being said, guys, we are going to look at verses 1 through 4 today. In chapter 1, you could consider it a prologue, I guess you could say. And then, like I said, in, in verse 5, he picks it up and he gets to talking about this narrative. That's what, that's what the Gospel of Luke is. It's a narrative. And so if you guys wouldn't mind standing uh, one, one last time real quickly, we'll read verses 1 through 4 in Luke in chapter 1. Luke says... Or, uh, yeah, Luke says this in verse 1 through 4. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. You guys can be seated. Heavenly Father, we just come and bow before You. Father, we just ask You to meet with us today as we go through Your Word. Lord, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would move with power. Lord, as Your Word is proclaimed, that You would help me to be faithful to Your Word, that You would give us all understanding of Your Word, and that we would not just be hearers only, but doers of Your Word. Lord, we thank You and love You. In Christ's name, Amen. So the truth on the back of your bulletin, guys, is an outline. Uh, on the back of your bulletin, a short outline. Really the summary of the, of the passage today that we're going to see is this. The story of Jesus Christ is based on eyewitness historical accounts. And it is. The story of Jesus Christ and the truth it contains 
It is the written truth that sets sinners free. Okay? That's what we're going to see today. It's this truth. That's, that's Luke's motive here. To, to, be, to handle the truth. To, to present the exact truth. So that sinners can be set free. So that, so that his friend Theophilus can know the exact truth of these things. And so three points today in the sermon. The first one is going to be in verses 1 and 2. And it's this. We're going to see Luke's awareness of and and receiving of the truth. Here in verses 1 and 2. Luke's awareness of and receiving of the truth. Let's read verse 1 again. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account or a narrative of the things accomplished among us. So inasmuch as many, who are the many? Okay, I'm going to tell you no one knows for sure. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you who the many are. Because no one knows for sure. Uh, Included in that many possibly could be Matthew and Mark. Their Gospels were written before Luke's. But that wouldn't be all of it because that's not many. And so there's, there's going to be other writings that he's probably referring to that are not divinely inspired. Men who had written accounts of these things. And probably no longer in existence either. And so, it's very important to remember here that, though guys, because it can appear this way, that Luke is not, he's not criticizing these, these other writings. He's not criticizing, he's not fault-finding, he's not saying they're heretical. And so, if he's, if he's not finding fault with these other writings, why did he want to write them? Verse 3 tells us uh, a little bit about that, you can kind of see a glimpse of that. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order. And so I think Luke just wanted to, he wanted to write something maybe more complete. Not that there was anything false with these writings, but he wanted to write something more complete. You know, it really reminded me of, I can can identify with that, okay? Obviously on a much, 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 much smaller level, but years ago, so I think you guys have probably heard most of you my testimony that I was saved through reading a gospel tract. And so I always had uh, just, a, I mean obviously, usually the way God works in your life, you're kind of prone to that. So I always had a desire to hand out tracts. I'm like, if God can save me, He can save others through a tract. And so I, I, I tried to you know, always hand out tracts, but I was always dissatisfied with them. And I started finding better ones, but, but they just seemed to always be... Not, not even that they were wrong, but it's like I would read one and it would like neglect repentance. Or, and so, that's why I wrote my track. Not because even these were false, and I'm not saying mine's the best, no. But I, I wanted to write a track, just my personal conviction, that was thorough. And I think that's all we're seeing here in Luke. He's not, he's not, he's not even being critical of this. He just wanted to write something... Maybe more complete. We can see here, guys, right off the bat, that Luke is a lover of the truth. He is passionate about the truth. He's not ashamed of the truth. Luke is not ashamed of the truth. I mentioned a while ago, he stayed with Paul to the very end, guys. You realize how many enemies Paul would have had? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. He's telling Timothy, Again, Paul, he's writing this from prison. He knows what his fate is. Listen to what he tells Timothy, the young man he was discipling. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed, Timothy, of the testimony of our Lord or of me, His prisoner. Don't be ashamed of me, His prisoner, but join with me in the suffering for the Gospel. And he says, Luke was with me to the very end. Only Luke. So we see that we see that not only does he love the truth, but he's not ashamed of the truth. He's willing to stand with a man who is going to be condemned. Guys, you ever have you ever been ashamed of somebody? Maybe the, who, who, man, this this brother or sister, they stand for the truth. Have you ever have you ever found yourself being ashamed to be around them? Um, that, that's a testimony to see Luke standing with this faithful apostle Paul amidst all opposition. And he said, 2 Timothy 4.11, again, he says, only Luke is with me. Again, his commitment, his commitment to the truth, his loyalty to the Gospel, his loyalty to his friend, Paul. That's the kind of friends I want. I want friends who are going to stand with me to the very end. If I'm faithful with Christ. And, and, I, and I think you guys desire that too. So what's your loyalty to the truth? We can, we can ask ourselves that. What's your loyalty to the truth? When I say the truth, I mean the truth of our Lord. What is your loyalty to the truth of our Lord? Remember what Jesus said, do not be ashamed of me. Or He says, whoever is ashamed of me, of him I will be ashamed when I come in the glory of my Father with the holy angels. But He not only said, don't be ashamed of me. Don't, whoever, he says, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words. There's many people that say, oh, I'm not ashamed of Jesus, but, but His Word offends them. Are you and I ashamed of His Word? Are you and I ashamed to stand with those who take a stand for His Word? Luke was not. Luke stood with Paul to the end. In verse 1, still in verse 1, he says, as many, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to, to compile an account or a narrative of the things accomplished among us, I think the New King James get this, gets this phrase better. Fulfilled. Of the things fulfilled among us. These things that are fully fulfilled. That's what Christ is writing about. He's writing about the, the, the story of Jesus Christ. The, the things that God has ordained. His redemptive plan. He's writing about how these things have been fully fulfilled. God's redemptive plan. Listen to... You can turn over there if you'd like. Acts chapter 2. Again, this is Luke writing... So we see a glimpse of what are these things that he's talking about that are, that are now fulfilled. We can, we can see that in Luke chapter 2, verse, verses 22 through 24. Luke 2, or I'm sorry, Acts 2. Did I say Luke? I'm sorry, guys. Acts 2, written by Luke. Acts 2, verses 22 through 24. This is Peter preaching to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. He says this, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed, uh, performed through Him in your midst. That's a lot of the things that Luke's going to write about, right? The story of the life of Jesus Christ, His ministry. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put Him to death. But God raised Him up again, 
putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held by his power. You see God's eternal plan? That's what Luke's writing about. This plan was fulfilled was fulfilled amongst us. That's what he's right. That's what the gospel of Luke is. It's this plan that was predetermined before the foundation of the world. His life, his miracles, his his arrest, his death on a cross by the hands of godless men, but it was all God's plan, right? It was not plan. It was not plan B. It was not plan A. It was God's eternal plan that Christ would suffer at the hands of godless men for our salvation, right? He would be crushed under the wrath of God so that we could be set free. That's, that's what Luke's writing about. God's redemptive plan that's been fulfilled about the life of Christ. And it's, have, you ever, have you ever heard this, guys? Somebody say, well, yeah, you know, the, the, when you ask them about what's, what, what is the Gospel or, or, or the life of Christ, what's significant? And they, well, He was a good ethical teacher. Yeah, Jesus was a good teacher. He was a, he was a good example to us. Now, was He all those things? Yes. He was the greatest teacher ever. Of course. He was, some people would say, oh, yeah, Jesus was a heroic martyr. And that's the lesson we learn. That's not Luke's point. He is writing of the One who has promised to come and to save His people. That's the heart of Luke and what he wants to communicate. And all the Gospel writers. This One who would come to save. To save. Luke 19.10. Guys, if you want to know the, you want to know the summary of the Gospel of Luke, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. You know what that is? That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Amen, Rocky? I'm not going to get away from the main thing, guys. You're going to hear that a lot. And that's, what, that's Luke's uh, focus. That's why he wrote this. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And he writes about it. He writes different accounts of, of Him saving people of all kinds. From all nations. That's the heart of this thing. We have to remember that. Guys, in our own lives. The main thing is that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And so we see in verse 1, just Luke's awareness of. And in verse 2, we're still in point 1, we see Him, His receiving of the truth in verse 2. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. They were handed down. This just means these teachings were handed down orally and uh, oral and written. They were handed down. The apostles, their preaching, passed down, but also written. These eyewitnesses. Who are these eyewitnesses in verse 2? Well, primarily he's going to be speaking about the apostles. Okay, It could be others as well. Like maybe uh, the mother of John, the mother of Jesus. But primarily, we want to emphasize the apostles. That's why we read 1 John a while ago. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, we, we hear this language. John saying, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the Word of life. We walked with Him. We were witnesses of these things. 
Beloved, do you know that not in the same way, we haven't visibly seen the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Christ. We haven't physically touched Him. But do you know what it means to be a Christian? You are a witness. We are a witness of these things. If you know Jesus Christ, you're a witness. You have witnessed His transforming power. Amen, Kelly? She's nodding. Amen. We are witnesses of these things. We we understand who we were before. we've, We've seen it in other people's lives. We are His witnesses. You know what a witness is? It's somebody who testifies to what he has seen. Have you tasted the goodness of the Lord? Then you're a witness for Him. We understand the Gospel message. And even on top of that, He has has saved us. He has set us free. Now think about that young lady Jordan that 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 I talked to yesterday on her front porch. You know, I just... I was testifying about as a witness of Christ. Just looking into her eyes and, and seeing... And, and, and it was just a reminder, guys, we take it for granted. My simple question to her were, are your sins forgiven? You see, we take that for granted. Being with the people of God and to, and to look into her eyes and, and see the, the questioning of, I don't know. And then just explaining to her, can I share with you how you can have your sins forgiven? And she said, yes. And she closed the door and just listened with such a tender heart. But that's what we tell people, guys. We not only have the Scriptures, which is prime, that's number one, the Gospel, but we have a, we have a life. We have a life. He has saved me and He can save you. You have the authority of God's Word. He can forgive all of your sin. I don't care what you've done. He can forgive you. People need to hear that. That they can be forgiven for all their sin. 2 Peter 1.16, guys, similar language. We went through several weeks ago when we were going through 2 Peter. Remember Peter said, hey, we didn't... And the context was false teachers, you know. These false teachers who like to tell stories and fables. He said, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty on the mountain. We saw Him. That was in His... His uh, resurrected, glorified body. We saw Him. We were eyewitnesses. Beloved, are you an eyewitness? Are you an eyewitness in the sense have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Amen? Amen. He is so good. He is so good. If you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and you eat their chicken, or whatever your favorite place is, and you like that chicken... There's nobody that can tell you Kentucky Fried Chicken is not any good. You can say, I tasted it. And it's good. Chick-fil-A is good. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's an ongoing joke in our church. <laughs> but, uh, but when you taste something, guys, and you know that it's good, it doesn't matter what kind of argument comes against you. You say, I, I tasted it. And I have tasted that Jesus Christ is good. He has forgiven me for my sin. He has given me a new heart. He has given me a love for people that I didn't have before. And I know many of you guys can testify to that as well. He is good. 
Now Luke was not an eyewitness in this sense that we're talking about with the, uh, with the apostles. But he had first-hand relations with those who were. That's, that's what he's saying. These things, these things were um, passed down to us by these, by these men who were eyewitnesses. And so, uh, that's, that's kind of the context here, guys. He received this first-hand information from the apostles and probably from some others as well. Uh, and, 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 and that's one thing we need to remember, guys. If you guys remember, those of you who were with us when we studied in Equipping Hour, the, the, when we studied, went through the study of uh, the Scriptures, knowing that the Scriptures, how we can know they're from God, the canonicity of the Scriptures. If you remember, guys, the early church, they didn't determine the canon. God did. But they recognized the canon. And the distinguishing mark was if, some, if it had been written by an apostle or a close companion, first-hand witness. That's how they determine the canon. And so that's what we have by Luke. Luke was not a, an apostle, but he was a a close companion of the Apostle Paul. And then, and then last thing, guys, in verse 2 that I want to look at real quick. Um, talking about these eyewitnesses, the apostles. Think of the authority that the apostles have. And look at that last little phrase in verse 2. Servants of the Word. Servants of the Word. The apostles were servants of the Word. You know what that, that's a picture of? That is a picture and a state of humility. These men of God, these apostles, they were servants of the Word. In other words, they didn't use the Word as a, as a self-serving tool, right? To manipulate people with. As a means of gain. To get rich. No, they came underneath the Word of God. They were servants of the Word of God. What a picture for you and I, guys. Luke was a servant of the Word of God. These apostles were servants of the Word of God. And you and I need to be as well. We need to be underneath the Word is what that's telling us. Be a servant of the Word. Do you place yourself beneath the Word of God or are you sit in judgment of the Word of God? You know, there's many people that do that. They come in churches and they sit in judgment of God's Word and they sit in judgment of the man preaching God's Word. They don't ever want to get underneath it. They just want to sit and be critical. And so we need to be those who are humbly underneath the Word of God. Amen? So secondly, we see in, verses, uh, in verse 3, our second point, we see Luke's writing of the truth. Luke's writing of the truth in verse 3. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully. See, we can see that. We can see that, that researcher of Luke, the historian. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order. Most, most excellent Theophilus. He is highly concerned about being accurate. Luke is. We can see that in this text. Accurate and complete. Beloved, you and I need to be reminded that Christianity is not a religion of myths and fables. Okay? Don't ever listen to that from the, from the skeptics. It's not a religion of myths and fables and stories. No, be reminded the verse we just... Referenced a while ago, 2 Peter 1.16, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and come of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. 
So Luke was an accurate historian, guys. That that phrase in verse 3, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning. It literally means to track down. He tracked down through, through, through eyewitness, through uh, first-hand eyewitness accounts. He tracked down. These were, these, these were His sources. The people who walked with Christ. Having exactly, literally means having exactly traced down everything from the first. So many first-hand eyewitness accounts was Luke's sources. But even as, even as thorough as a man like Luke was, being an historian, um, having all of these sources, guys, does not negate the fact that he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. You remember, God always uses, the Holy Spirit always uses our personalities, our backgrounds, and he did so with the with the uh, with the apostles and with these different men. They were men moved by the Holy Spirit from God. You know, I think we can learn a great deal about that, guys. God uses you. Okay, God created you. God created Luke, right? Yes, he was a he investigated carefully. These traits that he had. He was an historian, a researcher. But he was inspired by God. And God used everything that Luke went through, his personality, but that doesn't negate the fact that he was inspired by God. And on a, on a much smaller level, guys, the same is true with you. The same is true with you. God uses you. God not only has saved you, but God, He has wired you the way you're wired. He has given you the experiences that He's given you. He's given you the background He's given you. He's given you the struggles. Everything you've been through in life, guys, God uses for you to be a witness for Him. You know, I think about how so many, so many times I think we spend so much time trying to compare ourselves to others. Well, if I could just be like so-and-so, I could be a better preacher. I could be a better witness. God, can I encourage you with that, guys? Brother Shiloh, can I encourage you? Brother Shiloh blessed me last week with his preaching. Okay? Shiloh's not me. I'm not Shiloh. I'm not anybody else. God has wired us the way He has wired us, and we are to be faithful. That's all. We're to be faithful. We don't need to try to worry about being like somebody else. Can we learn from others? Absolutely. We should learn from others who have done it more, done it longer. We should glean from them. But can I encourage you? This goes for everybody in here. Don't try to compare yourself and measure up to other people. Be faithful where God has you. See, God can use you like, like He cannot use anybody else because of what you've been through. And the people He, ha- he has you around in your life, He's put you there. You can minister to them in a way that I can never do. And vice versa. So don't, don't compare yourself to others in that sense. Okay? I've had to learn that the hard way. I used to try to preach and be like so-and-so, and it was a disaster. It really was. And so I just learned to be who I am. And to just be, try to be faithful to God, try to please God, and don't worry about all the other stuff. Okay?
led by the Spirit. Luke was led by the Spirit. He, he uses this phrase in the NAS. And I think the ESV uses the same phrase. Um, Having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order. That's what the NAS, I think the ESV uses that. Again, I think the New King James is the winner. Um, that, that's more accurate here. And I use the NAS, but I think the New King James says an orderly account. I think that's the, I think that's the idea here. Uh, the more I studied on this, an orderly account. In, in other words, it's now, by and large, his writings is chronological. But it's not exactly all the time chronological. But it's more the idea of what should be said next. Listen to John MacArthur speak to that. He says, The phrase in consecutive order is better understood as a reference to the logical, systematic nature of Luke's writing. That's the idea. His goal was to persuade, to lead his readers to believe the gospel by means of his carefully researched, logical, systematic presentation of the truth concerning God's saving purpose in Christ. So Luke had a he had a reason to do what he was doing. This consecutive order. He, he wanted Theophilus and others, whoever would read this, to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. That was his intentions. Brother, and I, that, that, that speaks to me that you and I, we need, to be, we need to be skilled. We need to put thought into it in our, in our gospel presentations. We need to be able to do it in, a, in, a, in this orderly fashion to make it make sense. You can blurt out a lot of truth, guys. But if it's just, if there's not an order to it, you understand what I'm saying? Um, think about these things, guys. Because we see Luke's heart. I'm writing these things to you in this, in this consecutive order, in this orderly account, because I want you to know the truth. That's the, that's the heart of what's behind Luke in writing. So we can learn from that, guys. Again, one of his goals was to emphasize, beloved, that it was not just for the Jews. That was one of Luke's desires. And his, we're going to see it as we go through this Gospel. The Gospel is not just for the Jews. Some examples of that in Luke 7, we see Jesus healing the centurion's servant, the Gentile. The Roman centurion, his servant, was healed. Luke 14, Jesus was... He had, he had sent His disciples to, to minister to the, to, the, to the nation of Israel. And when they didn't listen, He said, take it to the Gentiles. You guys heard that account in Luke 14 where He says, go to the lanes, the streets. That's the context of that. Hey, the Jews aren't going to listen, so go take the Gospel to those who will. Take it to the streets. Take it to the to who the rest of the cultures just thrown in the garbage dump. Take it to them. We see Luke's heart. Does your heart, beloved, go out to all the nations? Or do you just think about people that are like you? As Christians, we should never think that way. And not just, not just the other nations, but again, people who are not like you. 
Again, I'm reminded of that, guys. I'm reminded of that. You can see that on the streets. You can see that just going door to door yesterday, guys. There's a lot of people that aren't like me. But they need Jesus Christ. I'm not like them. They're not like me, except for the fact we're sinners. And we need Jesus Christ. That's what we need to keep at the forefront of our minds. The Gospel is for sinners. The Gospel is for those who are rebels against God. And that's all of us. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter how much status we have. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. It doesn't matter what our background is. We need Jesus Christ and so does our neighbor. And that's what we see in Luke's heart. Most excellent Theophilus, he says. That's who, that's who, this, is, uh, that's who this is written to. Most excellent Theophilus. That, that name means a lover of God. You can see the same address at the beginning of Acts in Acts 1.1. So we don't know much about this man other than the way he addresses him. Most excellent Theophilus is how Paul addressed Felix and Festus at the, in the, the book of Acts. So he was, he was some kind of leader of some kind. He was some kind of Gentile leader. Um, obviously, Luke had some kind of friendship with him. And so that's what we know about this guy. And then we'll finish up in uh, verse 4, guys, with, with the third point here. So we saw Luke's awareness of and receiving of the truth. We saw Luke's writing of the truth. And now we see in verse 4, with what I think, we can see Luke's purpose with the truth. What was his purpose for writing the truth? What was his purpose? Verse 4, so that. He did all these things. He received this truth that was handed down. He wrote an account himself so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. I believe we see here that Luke's purpose is evangelistic. It's evangelistic. Luke obviously cared for this man, for Theophilus. He was either a believer or he was what you, what you would call a seeker, somebody open to the Gospel. And Luke was ministering to him. I tend to leave maybe... Well, I don't know. I, just, I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. Maybe, maybe one who wasn't uh, converted yet, but Luke was ministering to him. And so Luke, we can really see... Luke was not a pastor, but we see a pastor's heart here with his friend, Theophilus. Isn't that amazing that he wrote, he wrote this Gospel to one individual. Now obviously God has used it to minister to millions upon millions of people, but we see Luke's heart here. He wanted to protect him, right? He wanted him to know the truth. What does the truth do? It protects you from error. He wanted to protect him from error, from false Christ, from false Gospels. He wanted him to know the exact truth. So that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Beloved, should, not, should this not be the heart of every Christian? That we want people to know the truth? You see the evangelistic heart here? I want you to know the truth. Beloved, like we saw in 2 Peter, error and false teaching, it damns souls. It leads people astray. Even if somebody's already a Christian, it'll lead you astray and wreck your life. Can't take away your soul, but it'll wreck your life. But it leads people astray. The author of false 
Doctrine is the father of lies, the devil. And so he wants to protect his, his friend. This should be our heart. We see his purpose in wanting to write the truth. That his friend would come to know the truth. I forget which commentator it was, but that phrase here in verse 4, so that you may, so that you may know the exact truth. I believe it was William Hendrickson. He said that phrase is really so that you will come to know the truth. Which may be indicating he wasn't quite a believer yet. But Luke wanted him to know the exact truth. To come to know the exact truth. Beloved, what happens when people come to know the truth? Do you remember the words of Jesus in John 8? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's Luke's heart. That's his purpose in writing this. He wanted his friend to come to know the truth because the truth sets people free. The truth of the Gospel, beloved, it's what sets a person free. Through salvation, it sets a person free from the penalty of sin, from an eternal hell. It's what sanctifies those who are already Converted, right? Jesus said, Father, sanctify them, my people. Your people whom you've given me. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That should be your desire, beloved, and your purpose in growing and knowing the truth, right? Our desire, our purpose as a church, our purpose for digging into the Word of God, to know the truth should not be so that you can get on Facebook or in person or wherever you like to do it and win arguments. That should never be our purpose. Our purpose should be so that we can know the truth and communicate that same exact truth to others to see people set free. To people, people set free, guys. I, again, talk to a man yesterday. How do you know your sins are forgiven? Well, because I've been baptized not just once but twice. That man's in bondage to lies. People are deceived. They need the truth of the Word of God. It's only through the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ that can be set free. This should be our desire, beloved. To see others come to know the truth. My heart broke when I looked into her eyes yesterday. Just being reminded. This, this person is lost. This person is in darkness. And I have the truth. We have to try to communicate the truth to those who have ears to hear, beloved. Hell is awaiting guilty sinners without Christ. Our prayer should be, Father, both save and sanctify Your people through the truth, right? You preach the Word of God and God saves His people. God sanctifies His people. But it only comes through the truth. Through the truth. Do you desire that, guys? Do you desire to be accurate with your understanding of the truth? Not to win arguments, but to see people come to the truth. The way we not only understand the truth, the way we handle the truth, and the way we communicate the Word of God, beloved. I hope there's a, I hope there's a desire in your heart to understand and know the truth and learn how to communicate the truth so that others 
can come to the same saving knowledge. And when they do come to the same saving knowledge, so that God can use you to help disciple them. That's why we exist. That's why we exist as a church, beloved. That is the main thing. Amen? That's why we exist as a local church, guys. To glorify Christ. Amen? To glorify Christ by becoming grounded in the Word of God for the, for the main purpose to bring others to our Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You in Your mercy and in Your grace for opening our minds and our hearts to the truth, Lord. I used to hate the truth. Didn't even realize I hated the truth. But I did. And Lord, it's only because of Your mercy and Your grace that any of us now love the truth of Your Word. We love the light. We love the Savior who saved us. We love the Father who sent Him. We love the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And and, and only, Lord, it's because You first loved us. Lord, please use us as Your people, God, as Your means. Lord, to reach those around us with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, we pray, we beg, we beg You to open hearts to the truth, God. Just help us to be faithful. Father, we love You and we praise You. In Christ's name, Amen.